0: We've been studying through the book of Revelation. We've made it all the way to chapter 14. And we're kind of in the part of Revelation where it just kind of seems to drag on, I think, a little bit. Not because of uh, it, it's boring in any sense of the imagination. It just seems to be judgment from the Lord coming upon the earth and more judgment coming upon the earth. And it kind of gets to a point where you go why is it all happening this way? But I wanted to remind you guys that the judgment of the Lord is coming upon the earth slowly in this way, and he's waiting for, to give people a chance to repent. Remember this whole tribulation period that we've set up in the book of Revelation, this seven-year period, uh, it, it's coming on the earth for two reasons. The first reason is to judge a Christ-rejecting world. The second reason is to draw the Israelites or the Jewish people back unto God. They've been away from the Lord for a long time and they've missed the Messiah in Christ. And the idea is they want to be drawn back unto the Lord and realize that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. So those are the two reasons we're in this tribulation period. Then as we began chapter 14, we saw that John got a glimpse of what was to come in the very beginning of chapter 14 he saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion with the 144,000 witnesses and we spent a lot of time talking about the lamb is Jesus Christ Mount Zion is in Israel the 144,000 witnesses were the Jewish believers that were told about previously in the book of Revelation that are standing alongside of Christ and we talked about how that shows as John sees into the future he can see what's coming So he knows victory is at hand, although the world is being judged right now, not now, but in this time of tribulation, the world is being judged by God, the victory is at hand and victory belongs in Jesus Christ. So after we saw that take place, we then saw three angels came on the scene. And these three angels are going to bring with them a proclamation or a declaration. The first angel brought the message of salvation. Isn't it like the Lord to always bring the message of salvation during judgment? He has never abandoned it. It is still the same. It will continue up to the point of the end of the tribulation where where that will be removed. The second angel brought the message of destruction. And it brought the message of the fall of Babylon. And we talked about how in the book of Revelation, in the scriptures, Babylon can represent three things. It can represent the actual literal city, Babylon. That was that currently, it, 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 the ruins are there, the city of Babylon. It's in Iraq, about 59 miles southwest of Baghdad. You can look it up on the internet. You can see pictures of it. That's where Babylon once stood. But we also talked about how Babylon could represent the religious system set up by the Antichrist during the tribulation period. The religious system, meaning the one world religion in which he is the Antichrist, he will call people to worship him Instead of Christ, anti means in place of. So he's not trying, he, he's, he's not, he, he wants to be Christ. He wants People will believe that he's the Messiah. The Jewish people will actually believe that he's the Messiah during this time. So this message, or Babylon represents the religious system, but it also represents the political system that will be set up by the Antichrist. The one world government, the one world economic system that we've seen in the book of Revelation. We don't see that we're very far off from that, do we? If you do anything with stocks or you follow the financial markets, if one goes up, the other one goes If China's market is down, guess what's going to happen to the market in the United States? Usually they're, they're affecting one another because we're, we are already at the brink or at the very doorstep of this one world economy, this one world government that we're going to see unfold. Now, we as Christians, remember, where are we at during all this? We're raptured. The, the church will be removed from this. We will be in heaven. We saw that take place at the, in chapter 4. So the church is gone, and we're talking about things that are taking place on earth after the church is removed. And it's interesting that there will still be people getting saved during the tribulation period, although the cost will be much greater. Now we saw that this second angel warned about the fall of Babylon, as he led his, that Babylon would fall, and the reason for the fall, the reason that this economic system will crash, the reason that this religious system will crash, is because it's leading people away from Christ. It's leading people into sin. It's leading people away from what God would say is good and leading people into what is bad. Then a third angel came on the scene in the beginning of Revelation 14, verses 9 through 11, and he brought a message of damnation. He showed us certain truths about hell. He showed us what would take place. Salvation, destruction, and damnation were what these three angels proclaimed. And some of the truths about hell, we learned that suffering is real. We saw its fire and its brimstone. We saw that it will last forever. We saw that there's no rest, day or night. We saw that the presence of God will actually be there, but you won't be in the presence of God. Now, John's going to see three more angels. The Son of Man is preparing to reap a harvest. The harvest will be a harvest of judgment as he reaps this harvest on earth. If you'll pick up with me in chapter 14, verse 14, we're going to study down through the end of the chapter this morning, and then we will partake in communion together this morning. Verse 14, then I looked and behold a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he sat on the cloud, he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Notice a couple things about what John sees here. The first thing that he sees is the Son of Man sitting on a white cloud. The Son of Man, who is that? That's Jesus. That's a title given to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, it's a title he gave himself in the gospels. He referred to himself as the son of man. Jesus refers to himself this way. And by saying that he's the son of man, it speaks to his humanity. It speaks that that he was fully human, but he's also referred to as the son of God. And the son of God speaks of his divinity. So he got the Son of Man, the Son of God. He was fully human, fully God. And we have to remember that. And then we also see the white cloud. The white cloud. I looked and behold, and there was a white cloud. This cloud represents the presence of God and the glory of God. When the cloud would lead the Israelites in the desert, when the cloud would rest in the tabernacle, when the cloud would cover Mount Sinai, it represents the presence of God. The white represents purity. It represents the righteousness of the Son of Man. Notice he has on his head a golden crown. We saw a few chapters back, the Antichrist had crowns on his head as well. Different kinds of crowns. I want to share the difference with you. In the Greek, there's two words for crown. There's Stephanos and there's diadem. Two different words for crowns. The word diadem means royalty. It means authority. The word Stephanos means victory. It means victorious. The difference is if you competed in a race, if you competed in a game and you were victorious, you would have a Stephanos. It was a crown that was weaved. It was a crown that would be placed on your head. It was kind of like a, uh, a wreath that would be placed on your head. It was, a, it was a crown that signified victory. Notice Christ as he's on the cloud reaping the harvest is wearing a victorious crown. Now, we also know that he's also royal, too. We also know it also represents authority. But in this case, what's being represented is his victory. Because John is looking into the future at the end of this, and he's reminded of Christ's victory in this. He's got on his head this golden crown. Now, he also describes himself this way. I want to share something with you. Turn with me also, if you would, to Matthew chapter 24. Some people would wonder, is this really talking about Jesus Christ? The cloud, the crown, is this really talking about Christ? I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus speaking. Look at verse 29, Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. And he's going to describe this very situation, this very scene that John is telling us. We're going to see it in Jesus' words as well. In verse 29 of Matthew 24, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Did we see that happen? We've seen that taking place. And the moon will not give its light. We've seen that taking place. The stars will fall from heaven. We've seen that. The powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. This is what John's seeing. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. When Jesus ascended to heaven after his apostles, do you remember what he, what he said in the book of Acts chapter 1? The apostles are looking up as he ascended to heaven, and it says they looked steadfastly toward the heaven as he went up. And behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and he also said, men of Galilee. They said to the apostles, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. He was taking up into the clouds and he's going to be on the clouds when he comes back, when he returns. Revelation chapter one, back to Revelation, if you would, Revelation chapter one, verse seven says, behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him and every, and they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. In the very beginning of the book of Revelation, we were told this would take place. And John's describing the part that gets confusing about this, if you haven't already noticed, John's not giving us everything in chronological order. He doesn't do it that way. You can't read the book of Revelation and go, all right, it's going to happen exactly in this chronological order. You see, he jumps into the future a little bit. And then when we hit chapter 15, he's going to back up and say, this has to happen before chapter 14 has to happen. And the reason I think he does, and this is only my opinion, is because when we look and we see in chapter 14, the victory. We need to be able to see the victory of Christ over the earth during this time period. Otherwise, it would just make this period, this tribulation period, even worse than it really is. Now, one other thing I want to address before we move on. Well, actually, we'll get there. Look at verse the end of verse 14. He has in his hand, what? A sharp sickle. He has in his hand a sharp sickle. A sickle was a tool or is a tool that can be used to harvest things. What's it for? It's it's something that cuts down grain. It's something that slices. It cuts through grass. It's it's, it's a harvesting tool. So the picture here is he's harvesting. Harvesting was was a common way for them to speak. Remember, John's only using words he knows to describe what he sees. You might see the exact same thing and describe it in a different way. They lived in in an agrarian society or an agrarian culture where agriculture to them was everything. That's, that's, that's what they knew. So when he sees things being removed, he, thinks he sees things being mowed down. He sees see things being cut down. What's he going to describe it as? Harvesting. He knows you, 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 you plant seeds, you water, and you harvest. Everybody knew that. It was, a common, it was common knowledge back then. That's how they got their food. They didn't have Martins and Save-A-Lot and all the food stores that they could just go to. They, they had to actually grow their food. So they were very familiar with these, with these types of analogies that he's using. So he's got a sickle. Again, this harvest is a harvest of judgment. As Christ returns to the earth, here he's being seen in the clouds. As he returns to the earth the second time, it's going to be judgment. When Christ came to the earth the first time, he came as a savior. When he comes the second time, he's going to be coming as a judge. That's the difference. Don't misunderstand the second coming of Christ with the rapture of the church. There's a difference. The rapture of the church, Christ doesn't come to the earth. The church is met in, he meets the church in the air. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, they'll be caught up into the air. They'll meet the Lord in the air. So what we see taking place, just so we're kind of all clear, Christ was on the earth the first time. We read about it in the Gospels. He will rapture the church. The church will be taken out because Christ always, God always removes his people before he casts judgment. We saw that in Sodom and Gomorrah. We we see that throughout the scriptures. He removes those people that before the judgment is cast down, then the rapture of the church will happen. After the tribulation, we will have what's called the second coming or the second advent. Understand there's a, make sure you have your timelines right there. And again, I'm teaching revelation from a pre-tribulation, pre-millennial perspective. So. He's got the sickle in his hand, and look at verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap the harvest, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So why why is this judgment happening? Why is this reaping taking place? Why is it happening right now? Two reasons were given there in verse 15. Number one, it says the earth is ripe. Now, when you think of ripe, you think of a nice piece of fruit that is just perfect for eating, right? That's not what the Greek word ripe means. The Greek word ripe means dried out or dried up. So it essentially means overripe. It's past due. Picture rotten fruit that's rotting. It's got too path, It's gone too far. You can't eat it anymore. That's what the word ripe means. Now, read that same thing in a di- in, with that context. Thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap. The harvest of the earth is dried up. It's past due. It's rotten. It's time. He has waited as long as possible for this to take place. He, he's, he's waited and waited and waited and given time for repentance, time for repentance, time for repentance. The harvest is ripe. And the second reason it's happening now is simply put the time has come. It's time. According to the God's calendar, it is now time. It, it, was, it was set before man was ever created and now it's time. Verse 16, so he who sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. This is the first of two harvests we'll see this morning. Both harvests bring judgment upon the earth and the people when Jesus returns with his second coming. Now let's take a look at the second harvest in verse 17. Then another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the altar who had power over fire and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and he gathered the vine of the earth and he threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. The first angel comes from the tabernacle. Remember, the tabernacle on earth was only a picture of what the tabernacle on heaven is. The second angel comes out from the altar. We're told that he had power over fire. And he cries, aloud, cries with a loud voice, telling the, other, the first angel, to Thrust in your sharp sickle. Gather the cluster of vines, for the grapes are fully ripe the second harvest and what we see is a different kind of harvest the first harvest is kind of a separation harvest it's like we would see in Matthew chapter 13 with the wheats and the tares they would harvest the wheats and the tares together and they would separate them this type of harvest is a little different when you harvest a grape and you want to make wine you want to make grape juice with it it will eventually turn to wine it's 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 more of a harvest of annihilation because they'll gather the people together. They'll gather the harvest together. They'll be placed in the wine press or the, or the big cistern. When, if you ever watched it and you know how they do it, when they would harvest grapes back in that day, they had a big cistern. They would gather all the ripe grapes. They would put them in a the, in the big cistern. And what would they do with them? They'd walk on them. They'd crush them. They'd destroy them. They'd stomp on them. Why? Because they want to squeeze the juice out of them. They, they want to get them as flat as possible. And the juice would then run out of the bottom of the cistern into a, some sort of bottling mechanism or barrels that they would have set up. So this, this harvest that we're seeing take place is a harvest of, it's it's really annihilation. It's really a harvest of destruction. Those people remaining at this time, they be, will be told they will be in the winepress of the wrath of God. The winepress of the wrath. Of, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go there. I don't want to be there. I don't want to see that. I don't want to know what it's like. But the scripture tells us this for a reason. Sometimes I come across things, and I'm like, God, couldn't you just leave that part out? You know, couldn't you just make it a little happy ending? Why does it have to be so, so rough? And why does it have to be so, so hard? And, and just, can't you just make everybody love you? And then, then it would solve all these problems. And the truth is, no, he couldn't. Because without the free choice to choose, we wouldn't be able to choose to love him. We'd just be simply programmed that way. And it wouldn't be a chance for us to show true love. When I hear the wine press of the wrath of God, that just sounds miserable to me. Do you remember the old song, The Battle Hymn of the Republic? Remember that? Remember singing that in school if you went to a Christian school? This is, that, this is the scripture it's taken from. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vineyard where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful, light, fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Some people, when they come to this... Type of scripture when it comes to the judgment of god i don't they say i don 't like it i don 't like God judging people why couldn 't I thought he was a loving God. I thought he w- how is it possible that we 're going to praise Him and worship him for his justice? My wife and I were talking about this this week don 't we want justice? think about it don 't you want to see justice happen in somebody 's life think, let me, let, me, let me play a scenario out for you let 's say that a crazy man runs into a school and and shoots some innocent kids. What do we want? Justice. Don't we want to see him punished for his behavior? Don't want to see justice brought forth? You can't bring the kids back. We want to see some sort of justice. What about when somebody rejects the living God? What about when somebody looks at the living God and says, no, you're not real. I don't want anything to do with you. We're going to see in the coming chapters, they're going to recognize that God is the one judging and they're still going to turn from him. That's how a believer is going to be able to worship during this time of wrath of the Lord. Because we're going to see, you see, we only know a little bit about God right now. We know what he's revealed to us about himself. We don't really have that full comprehension. We, 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 know, it, we know the scriptures and we know the Bible and we know it describes him. But it's nothing going to compare to the day that we stand in his presence. The day that we stand in his presence, everything we thought we knew, we're going to realize, wow, Amazing absolutely incredible what we're going to find out about God. That's why when we see this kind of stuff, that's why when we read about his judgment, we read about the saints that are worshiping during the judgment, we're going to realize what he's he's doing is he's just. His judgment is just. Nobody will get anything they don't deserve. Nobody. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a just God. Everybody will get what they deserve. What about us? Will we get what we deserve? If you're not covered with the blood of the lamb, absolutely. Because that's all there is. You see, the only people that won't get what they deserve are those people who have accepted Jesus Christ, either before the tribulation period or even during the tribulation period. Although we're told during the tribulation period, it'll probably cost them their lives, most of them. They'll be forced to take a mark of the beast. We studied that a couple weeks back. But they won't get what they deserved if they're in Christ. You see, for if you're in Christ... Even if it costs you your life here on this earth, you will spend eternity with the Lord. If you are not in Christ, you can back up just a few verses and see what hell has to, has, what it's going to be like when we read what the third angel is. He brings about the damnation and he talks about what, take, what will take place there. Now in verse 20, it says, And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles, 1,600 furlongs what this is referring to is the battle of Armageddon the battle that will take place in the hills or the valley of Megiddo Armageddon it's it's the final battle that will take place when we go to Israel in the spring we're going to get to go to the valley of Megiddo or the or the hill of Megiddo and we're going to see where this will take place so as this is being told John is describing this crushing literally crushing destroying of people like grapes is what 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 he's describing here and we read that the blood resulting from the second and the last harvest will flow from the ba- valley of Armageddon down the Jordan's Rift Valley past Jerusalem. It's literally going to flow 185 miles. That's what scholars suggest. Now, when we're told up to the horse's bridle, some people actually believe it's going to be that deep. Some people say, well, it's going to be 185 miles of blood that deep. I don't think it necessarily means that. I think what's more relevant or what it more means is. is uh, the, the field or the valley will be blood-stained and blood-soaked. When a horse runs through a really muddy field, what happens? Does he stay clean? No. What happens, to the, what happens to the mud? It's going to get thrown up all over the horses. If there's more than one horse running through a bloody field, what's going to happen? So I think what we're looking at or what we're seeing predicted here for us, when it says the wine press was trampled outside the city, out, that's, that's the city of Jerusalem by the way, The blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. That's about 185 miles. We will see this taking place in the future. But before we get to this point, John's going to tell us in chapter 15 and chapter 16, there's seven more bowls of judgment that have to come upon the earth.